tonight on Ship Chasing, our boy Ben Gretsch has been in the lab looking at targets per route run. We're going to look at some players who might be undervalued when looking at this metric. And then, of course, we know what you're here for. You want to watch this fucking draft. Well, fine. We'll draft a super flex team on Underdog for you. Pat Fryer Helmo. <laughs> This is why I'm hot. Anita Hanjob. Fix your sight. Jamar. Alpha play chase. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Canaries Tony? You can't handle the heat. See, it looks like we're finally at this point. You're right. <laughs> All right. Good morning. Good morning. Gretch, what, you said uh, spring break week for you over there? Yeah, kiddos on spring break. Took them on a ropes course yesterday. Took them to a matinee baseball game today. My Mariners lost. Just got back. Got to see Shohei Otani pitch, which was fun. Oh, that's cool. Nice. And hit. He did both. So yeah. that was an exciting thing. He's like the most talented baseball player of all time, probably. I mean, I honestly think he's probably the best baseball player ever. Baseball is my second sport. He probably already is the best baseball player ever. That's that's my I- I'm pretty wow. sure I saw Davis do that tweet, and there are a lot of boomers in his mention being like, uh, Babe Ruth, my <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I do uh, like, as if they saw Babe Ruth. <laughs> it's like, you're not that old. Yeah. <laughs> like, in my day. Like, yeah. I mean, it is honestly insane what Otani uh, yeah. is doing. And I, and Ben, as far as, like, Omni, too, uh, the World Baseball Classic getting that Japan-USA finish, I mean, that is like the magic of Omni in a nutshell. When you coincide like semi-obscure sporting event with like actual national marquee attention and it all yeah. like comes to a head with Omni, that was very fun. That's absolutely my favorite parts of Omni. I love World Cup years. It was really fun, obviously, when, when Messi finally got his World Cup for anyone who had picked Argentina last year in Omni. This one was incredible. You're right. You had Otani and Trout teammates on the angels the captains of the two teams that was an incredible event but yeah i gotta see i gotta see trout today too i mean it was a julio rodriguez the mariners young superstar probably three of the like 10 best base you know players in major league baseball in in that game today which was it was a fun game to watch was it was that your girl's first uh first baseball game or had they been to others we do it a lot yeah yeah Yeah. they've they've gone a lot the older one turns 12 tomorrow she's probably been she her first game was when she was like two so yeah, we've been we've gone to a lot of Mariner games. I can't believe you're 12 years ahead of me with the kid. April turns four months uh, in a couple of days. 12 years old blows my mind, man. It blows my mind too. Don't worry. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Four months uh, old blows my mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh. Pat, how are you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Just caught up on Gretch's article. Uh, our buddy Leone published an article. Lots of good stuff to read today. Yeah, uh, seriously, yeah, and we uh, we want to get uh, Leone on here soon. Uh, as some of you guys saw, we did tease uh, perhaps a mystery guest, uh, NFL and political insider. Hey, uh, you know, we 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 shot for the stars. You know, we 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 went big. We didn't land the big fish, unfortunately. I I will I will not reveal who that guest was. I will just say that. Um, he said, Pete, conflict with Wednesday, need to do a rain check next week. I replied, you're killing me, dude. And then he wrote, it's Passover. It's a big deal. And that was kind of the extent of our conversation. <laughs> 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 Apparently, this big fish didn't realize it was Passover two days ago when he agreed to come on the show. <laughs> he didn't break that story, did he? <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
this, this individual, and it really could be anyone, uh, doesn't know when Passover is or where his weed dispensary is located. <laughs> yeah, <it's> really, <laughs> this mystery <laughs> guest. I love that his follow-up was like, it's Passover. Like, that's not been on the calendar for <laughs> yeah, forever, your whole life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah well stephanie you and our uh, our special guest both forgot it was passover till tonight apparently um stephanie's here stephanie is here and i appreciate yeah. that stephanie is always here i feel like stephanie has a sterling uh track record um we will get leone on soon i am going to do um i did a best ball after dark a couple weeks ago with liam i am going to do one with uh leone on saturday night as well but i do highly recommend any of you uh best ball bros and i believe I believe the article was not even paywalled, right? It, it was publicly available even for non-ETR subs. I'm not sure I, about that. I, I hope you're right. I want to say it was a free article, but yeah, highly recommend checking out Leone's piece about, he did a real deep dive data research on the benefits of stacking in the large field best ball tournaments. I'm pretty sure it's available for anyone to read. Um, but Gretch, you have been doing your own series here on uh stealing signals about tprr and the reason i say tprr gretch is because i did ask chat gpt um what that means and i just want to see i actually wanted to run this by you and just see if you agreed with kind of this definition here so i asked it uh what this does tprr the first time i've had a chat gpt uh response run by me in terms of my articles this has already happened okay I had okay, someone good. run my entire article through ChatGPT to summarize it, and then and then send the oh, people are using that to. to yeah, just... Did it? Was it a good summary? Can you... right, I think. Yeah, I mean, lost some context, but it, it's all right. <laughs> can you can you confirm that TPRR in fantasy football stands for target, punt, return, and rush? It is a scoring yes. system that combines different ways a player contribute to their team's performance. It considers the following components, targets, punts, returns, and rushes. That is what you've been working on this week? Yes, that, I mean, <laughs> I could. It's amazing. How did, how did you get there? Are, aren't you guys worried about is our... a liar, dude. It's just a straight-up fucking liar. It how just did... makes shit up. How the hell did they put that together? That's People are coding system? with this thing. People yeah. are using it to code, and it's telling us about punts and returns. Like, yeah. What what fantasy football scoring system uses any of this shit? Uh, I don't. So, uh, I so yeah. Which which players Gretch are undervalued because they might offer a little bit in the punt game this year? That, that's what you're writing about. <laughs> I, I mean, God, I wish I even knew any punters. <laughs> I can't even remember. We got Shane uh, Leckler. Yeah, we got. I, 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 all I can great. think of is the really old ones. Yeah, we got what's go. his face up in Seattle. Yeah, you know why? You know why, Ben? It's because that's when we used to actually watch football, like we were football fans instead of right. as fantasy people. And now we're just fast forwarding through every special. <laughs> now we don't give play. a shit about the. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh yeah, who could forget Andy Reid as a as a twelve year old behemoth and the uh, the oh, kick yeah. punt pass or whatever challenges. Um, so set the table for people though, Gretch. What if for how do you, a non uh, AI, a, a human sentient being, define TPRR, and why is it something that uh, you spent some time looking into? Well, I mean, yeah, it's pretty self-explanatory in the name: targets per outrun. Um, but I think it's a really incredible stat because it's pretty stable year over year. It's something that we've talked about for the last few years. I did a similar article last year. Pat and I have talked about it for a. a more more years back to at least like I think 2020 was the year we really started breaking into it, Pat. And obviously you you talk a lot about yards per hour with prospects. Yards per hour is a very good stat. 
yards per outrun can be broken into targets per outrun and yards per target. Those two things combined creates yards per outrun. You get the target gets canceled out. Yards per target always gets hammered as not being a stable stat. A lot of people love to point out that yards per outrun is a more stable stat than yards per target. The error that I pointed out in 2020 and, and when I started really doing a lot of research in targets per outrun was that people love to say that yards per outrun was a more stable efficiency stat than yards per target. And the only difference between the two is this targets per outrun component which I think of as an efficiency stat, but it, historically we've thought of targets as more on the opportunity side of the, you know, fantasy football equation, opportunity efficiency equation. And so really the only thing that makes our, uh, uh, yards per outrun better than yards per target is adding a target earning element. And when you really break it down, targets per outrun is the part of this that is the most stable. And we know targets are the lifeblood of fantasy, going back to you know, fantasy douche and even way before that was something we've always known. We, we want to know who's drawing volume at receiver and tight end, we know uh, that targets are earned and that it's a, you know something of a skill. And so I really like this because it breaks things down in a way that it's not like a perfect stat. It doesn't tell you everything you need to know. There's a lot of people that have, have done good work to show elements that it doesn't necessarily grab. I like it because I know what it's telling me. It's very simple. It's telling me targets per outrun, obviously. I can then mentally add the context of, okay, A dot, what's this guy use very situational? Because I watch every game. I write stealing signals all year long. Like Rondell Moore's rookie year, I use an example, really high targets per run his rookie year because he wasn't running a full slate of routes. And a lot of times when he was coming in, it was for jet motion tip passes. So, okay, that becomes an immediate target per route that was like not an earned target. It was like a handoff more or less. So his numbers elevated based on that usage. Low A dot guys tend to have elevated targets per route runs. Uh, I don't know if that's the right plural for that. You have, I mean, various like layers to how it can be viewed. Uh, I have a weighted targets power run that incorporates air yards that I use for some players, but isn't really relevant for other players. So anyway, it's a, it's a, a good foundational stat. That's pretty stable. I think it's very skill dependent. Uh, it tells us a lot about whether players are good I think it's a good indicator with older receivers that they've started to decline in their skills. Guys that have consistently earned targets over the years are starting to lose their targets per outrun. That is a real, that's something that's a stay away from me typically. Uh, but then you still have to add in a ton of context with it. You got to add in situation, quarterback, you know, teammate. Who, who are the guys he's running routes with? I talked about it with like the Niners. As soon as they got Christian McCaffrey, you have Debo, high targets per outrun most, most of the time throughout his career, Kittle. Definitely McCaffrey consistently very high for a running back and Brandon Ayuk, who didn't have a great second year bounced back in this year three and was good this year. And is another good player hadn't didn't have the long-term stability in his targets per run. And so you get at a component where like there's five eligible receivers on a play. Four of them are really good target earners. None of them is going to have a monster targets per run. So that first number there for McCaffrey 0.25, it means on 25% of his, of his routes, he was targeted. That also includes his Carolina sample. Debo, 23%. Ayuk, 21 Kittle was down to 18 the, That would be a concern for Kittle if not for the context of all the other guys around him, right? I mean, it's it's a different situation than some other teams where you have guys that are bad target earners running routes and competing for targets with players that then have elevated targets per run. So, you, I mean, there's all these layers of context that need to be added, <clears throat> but it's a really good foundational piece, I think, to just get your like get your footing on what a player is.
Yeah, and I, I like reading through it too. There were lots of like interesting ones. Even one at the top here when you looked at the Cowboys, of course, they lose Dalton Schultz and then noticing that uh, Jake Ferguson has the same targets per route run as Schultz there, now the presumed starter there. Is, it, is that something that um, you would use as a little bit of signal that he might be able to step into that role and, and perform similarly? Sure, yeah. I didn't even mention him in my little write-up there. It's a small sample. Yeah. 105 routes. That number in parentheses is the route. Um, definitely a small sample. Schultz, a bigger sample. But I did make the note on Schultz that he kind of had to build up to his 21%. The years prior, he was, I think, 19% in 2021 and like 16% prior to that. And he kind of started to become fantasy relevant more on routes volume. So that's the other element of this equation. Sometimes we have guys that do really well, but they're just being carried by a lot of routes. And there's other ways to write about that. We often talk about um, teams that have pass rates that are way too high. They threw a ton of passes. That's how you get to really high routes rates. If a guy's, you know, obviously running a ton of routes in an offense that drops back and throws a ton of times. And the Cowboys had been that way a couple of years. Schultz wasn't really like earning a ton of volume. He was just kind of running a ton of routes in an offense, which is good enough for a tight end, quite frankly, in, in you know, in, in, with what we get from that position. Uh, but he started to earn more and more. And I kind of wrote that as like, it feels like he got, more and more comfortable in the offense. He seems like a player that's not necessarily on his own merits, a great target earner, but like more trust of Dak Prescott, more familiarity with the offense and everything. His, his targets primarily starts to build. That's the exact type of player where I get concerned about him changing teams. Cause we know from long-term trends, guys that change teams often fall off. Like he feels like a product of a good situation that was elevating him. And you can see that kind of build up in his numbers more than elite players changing teams like we saw last year obviously that didn't impact like the Tyree kills and those guys those guys dictate the volume they draw it right Dalton Schultz just sort of a good fit for the so anyway I the the way that I would apply that to Jake Ferguson as you said is like I mean I feel like Schultz was more a product of a good situation and a mm. good environment for him so yeah I mean I think you make a good point on Ferguson he could be the next product of that maybe although I would say that Schultz had a 77 percent he had 77% route participation, which isn't like a lead elite for a tight end, but it's pretty good. Very and good, so yeah. like to the extent that he was doing something special, it's just that he's probably just consolidating a bunch of tight end routes when we normally see more tight end rotation than we did with, with Schultz. So I, I definitely agreed with your take, Ben, that like is Schultz goes to Houston. He's someone to be pretty wary of. Um, even though there's not a ton of target competition there now, I think there will be. Like they're going to add a rookie, most likely. Um, but so you're saying Ferguson probably not a good bet to consolidate. But if he did, or if somebody if he did, did consolidate, yeah, if he did, yeah, I guess. And it's such a deep tight end class that I do worry. He it sure. strikes me as a situation that could devolve into a, a Colts type situation where there's a rotation. <laughs> Pretty easy. Well, and the Texans, like the past three years, have ran a, a tight end by committee with like yeah. three different dudes. Yeah, yeah, that's the other end of it is that you had Schultz consolidate the routes. It's a tricky thing to do. And now he goes to new coaching staff. Maybe they don't. And you know, we just saw Miami. You know, with with Mike Zicky, they're like, yeah, you know, we would really prefer someone that's blocking better. So Schultz, obviously, a much better blocker than Gesicki, but. He also gets the QB downgrade. There's so many layers with Schultz. Like I, he's not efficient. Like he, he he earns targets and catches passes, runs a lot of routes. Those are positive things when they when they continue. And some some tight ends have shown the ability to carry that over. Like Zach Ertz did it in with Philly and then did it in 
Arizona. It's possible he continues to do that and be this like inefficient, but target hog that runs tons of routes in a new place. He got a good contract, but I mean, there's a lot of things with the quarterback change, with the the way that Houston's done things with their Titans, all these things you guys are pointing out that it's layers of, of things for Schultz that are red flags. Yeah. Did anyone, uh, Pat, I know you read through it, or, or Ben, did anyone really jump out to you from this exercise and and kind of make you uh, raise your eyebrows a bit? I, can I point out one? Because yeah. I went through here and I was like, this is going to be a boring show because I basically agreed with everything you said. It's <laughs> 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 like literally like... <laughs> At certain points, I was just like trying to come up with things that I didn't disagree, that I didn't agree with because it's it, everyone should read. It's a two parter. Read both parts. It's it's really good stuff. Um, one thing was that you went through the divisions and you went um, east, north, west, south, and that just really tilted me. I don't know, what, what is that? <laughs> I have no what idea. is that? <laughs> I think because the south, I started with the AFC and I was like, I want to write this. I started with the east for whatever reason. And I was like, I yeah, want to write the east, south that's last. That's fine. You can start yeah. east. But then I should have went south, but I was like, I want to write the south last. Or so north, I'm you go... go north, but then you got to go south. I've never seen it done that way. I guess it does sort of work. It, it really just comes down to not wanting to write about the AFC south until the end. <laughs> yeah. But sure. then the an actual football point was that uh, Tyler Lockett, man. You're like, his numbers are great, but uh, I don't care. I don't want to draft him. I was like, give the guy his due. Give the guy his due. He, he exceeds ADP every year. No, I gave him his due. I mean, my point was that he's never had a dominant targets per run, and he's always been incredibly efficient. Except he's at 20% of uh, targets he was uh, – of routes he was targeted on. And it, Metcalf at 24%, it's a substantial gap, if you don't know the scale, but that is a pretty substantial gap. Lockett's number is good, not great. He's always getting there on efficiency, and he continues to do it. I'm not doubting that he can continue to do that. The point that I made was I have a hard time being in because it feels like that profile has a cap to its statistical ceiling is what I wrote. Like, I, Yeah, he's more of a downfield threat, which is why you know the yards with targets can be higher generally for downfield threats. I think um, he's really good, and he'll continue to be really good, he, and he probably will continue to beat ADP, but like – do you really lose out in your build if you don't have Tyler Lockett? I don't think he's ever been a league winner, and I don't think the way that he's put up a profile that he can ever be a target-dominant enough player to be a league winner. He's probably a good piece, and you can draft him in some cases. But for me, it's like there's also risk that he falls off at a certain point, right? There is risk. Yeah. And so He was going this- really cheap in early best ball drafts. He started to come up more to where you, he's like, fifth six now i think i haven't drafted actually in the super flex yet but in when the big board was closing i think he was more like fifth six but he he started like seventh i think um it was it was kind of crazy low so he's someone that i actually have a fair amount of i agree with you. i mean he's more like you know he's helping you fill out your lineup right and if you're doing a wide receiver heavy build like he's a guy to have because he's gonna have spike weeks he's an efficiency player like i get right. it i get drafting him i'm not saying don't draft him it's just doesn't feel like one that you're going to regret in a massive way. He's not going to blow up. He's not going to have like a Cooper cup out of nowhere wide receiver once. No, season. not at this Ever. point. Not yeah. at this point. Yeah. What What do you guys think? Not to <laughs> derail the, uh, the uh, uh, target punt return and rush uh, stats here. <laughs> but if, if um, Lockett, we've pushed up, right. He's going three to four rounds earlier than he was last year. Um, Metcalf's an uh, early third round pick. What do you guys think about Geno's 
ADP. Let's let's not do the super flex thing quite yet. Um, he's like was QB seventeen off the board in the big board. Like, do you guys find that price just to be efficient? Do you think that's being undervalued? I'm just curious if we are valuing these Seahawks receivers as highly as we are. How how you guys think about Gino? I have to look up what I had on him. I wasn't out. Um, not someone that I was like super psyched to get, but. Uh, I didn't like chasing. Yeah, so at 8%. So I was like exactly even with the field. Um, I just felt like, you know, in general, I didn't want to chase up the expensive quarterbacks to quite the levels they were going. Like I didn't want to be like really overweight the top guys at least. Uh, And so I was mixing in Geno. I mixed in Derek Carr. I mixed in kind of those boring types. Um, In Leone's article today, he talks about the importance of stacking your quarterbacks for the for the playoffs to be able to take down the the final round, you know, a pretty big uh, if it's four seventy again or even a little bigger, it's a pretty big tournament. So um, having that correlation really helps with that. And with Gino in particular, it's such a clean stack. It, yeah, you know, I I like Tua as well in these early drafts because it's like I get Lockett and Waddle. Now it's very expensive, but you're not reaching for either guy, and then you have the whole <coughs> offense basically. And I think you get the same dynamic with Gino. I think anytime, Pete, I hear your point about like the the difference between the the higher ADPs on the 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 Seahawks pass catchers and then Gino being lower. Anytime there's a gap like that, you, you take note of it. The time that it makes sense is when the offense is incredibly concentrated in its yeah, volume. Yeah. And since Pat, uh, since Metcalf was drafted, I'll have you guys do a a guess here. Hmm. What is the most targets? In four seasons, their third highest targeted player has gotten. I just looked at it. In uh, on average, or just like in a single one game? year, one time, any one player in the four years that, that Metcalf and Lockett have played together, what is the most that the third weapon in this offense has gotten over the course of seventeen games? Yes. Well, yeah. If they played all of them, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say fifty. I I was gonna say fifty too. It's 63, but still, that's okay. a massively lower number. Can than... we get – who was it? Was it uh... – It's Fant and Gerald Everett did it last year. Okay. They both had 63. <laughs> oh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What I found, I, I ended up with a lot of Geno in the big board because DK Metcalf was like the last of a wide receiver tier for me. Mm-hmm. Like after Olave and DK came off, I thought there was a pretty big tier gap. And so I would scoop up DK a lot. And then I was almost always stacking him with Gino. Like Gino was always there the 11th, 12th round. Either I would be happy to start a punk QB build with him. I'd be happy to round out an elite QB and have him be my second guy. So I ended up with a ton of Gino to, to, to DK Metcalf like stacks. He feels yeah. like a really nice stack QB, but I would say that his price is probably fair. But yeah, yeah. he doesn't it add felt, a lot of fair. rushing. Yeah. And there's, yeah. there's like probably some also, risk of a rookie and, and like he might suck. Yeah, he might. Stop. You know, he he had a good. He didn't look all that good in 2021 to the point that you know projections and stuff were crushing the Seahawks. It looked like this offense to stay away from. Then he started out pretty good in 2022, and then it wasn't great down the stretch. So I don't know. Maybe he just had a good couple of games in early 2022, and he's Geno Smith. Uh, Gretch, what about um? How do you think about the targets per route run with running backs? One that I thought was interesting that confirms my priors a little bit. And I've thought that the gap between the Najee and Jalen Warren ADP in drafts is just like egregious considering how well Warren played down the stretch. What do you do 
here with this stat with running backs and maybe through the lens of the the Steelers situation? So typically with running backs, what I talk about is like, I, I mean, I, I've argued for a long time, I think running back target rate has a lot to do with quarterback, you know, some to do with system. There's a lot of, a lot of layers, but, but certainly the mobility of the quarterback has a lot to do with it, right? We know Russian quarterbacks are not going to throw to the running backs as much because they don't get to the checkdowns. They just take off and scramble. Um, and that's part of why we also see like lower completion percentages for them. Cause they're not just taking these easy short passes to running backs. It's just not something they've developed probably throughout from back to high school and college throughout their college, their quarterbacking career. Cause they just take off and run. Right. Philip rivers was a, an elite r- running back receiving quarterback. Tom Brady has always been one. Those guys don't take off and scramble. They develop the ability to get down to their checkdowns, feel where their running back is, throw the ball to them. So a lot of a lot of systems will have elevated running back um, rates. So I like to compare within within an offense to see if there's maybe gaps. Then you can start to say, well, maybe there's something here. It's also almost always a small sample of running backs. In this case, I mean, obviously, Najee's run a lot of routes. That's th- 300 routes is kind of a lot for a running back. He's got 297 there. Warren also 172 is not a bad sample for a second running back in an offense. For them to be basically identical to me is just sort of Najee's not adding anything in terms of what he's drawing in terms of volume in the passing game is the way that I would read that. Um, They're sort of just getting targets when the receivers (laughs) aren't open. What's that? I said, you don't say. Yeah. Right. And then the efficiency side is the other side of it. You want to see how good they are at yards per target. I don't know that off the top of my head, but if there was a big gap there and it wouldn't surprise me if there was, if Warren was a little bit more efficient, uh, on those targets, and it looks like he was. Najee Harris was 4.3 yards per target. That's well below average for running back yards per target. Typically, the average is about six. He was down at 4.3. Jalen Warren was at 6.5, so slightly above average. Better catch rate, did more with the targets. I mean, I certainly I don't think that you know Najee's doing anything, or even the way that the Steelers are using him, because like a lot of screens to Najee would elevate his targets per out run, but they're not calling a lot to get him the ball in the passing game is sort of what this looks like to me. So I had a, I had an article out on um, the rookie running backs that are basically the guys I, I think are, are good second round picks in rookie drafts. And uh, I was making the point with Devin a chain that his yards per route run are fine, but not necessarily like an impressive thing that are going to get him on the field. And I was pointing out that he he had similar receiving efficiency in college to Najee Harris, um, Tyler Algier, and David Montgomery, guys that are like, if you you're good enough, they will they'll just leave you out there. But you know, in an A chain's case, I was like, but he probably not going to be out there in the first place. He's going to have to be good enough right. to get on the field. But it also has the effect, I think, when you're one of these guys that if someone can emerge as a as an actual contributor in the passing game, then you are susceptible i think Najee's in that range but i also i'm curious on your thoughts for david montgomery because he's been kind of one of these guys where he can consolidate receiving work if no one's around but we've seen Tariq cohen take from him early in his career you had him 14 percent targets per out run for david montgomery 27 percent for deandre swift so montgomery is about to deal with a lot more in terms of a receiving threat Obviously, Swift has his own issues with all of his rotating snaps and stuff, but I don't know. That that made me pretty encouraged about Swift carving out a, a substantial PPR role, at least. 
Yeah, and Swift's been over 20% and comfortably over 20% every year of his career, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I think he's been at like 23, 24, 25, and 27, like these different years, uh, which is really good for any player, but, you know, for a running back. It usually, to me, when they start to get up into you know, well over 20%, into the 25% range, it's like they're either – the team's either making an effort to get them the ball in space or they're, you know, getting open. They're drawing targets in some way. Like Christian McCaffrey, I think you can make a case that because the way he splits out sometimes, he actually, like, earns targets like a receiver might uh, or mm-hmm. some of the option routes he runs out of the backfield. Like, he just burns dudes in one-on-one coverage. Swift, he was like I running think, slot routes in Carolina at points. Like, yeah, like actually, not from the slot, but like over the middle field. Right, exactly. Like out of the backfield, running a, a slot receiver route. Swift um, has been a guy who's consistently been really high in that regard, and looks like a, rece- a running back that when he runs routes is is, get, is much more likely to be targeted than your typical running back. To your point on Montgomery. I mean, he's one that's a, an interesting case study for – and Pete just had the Bears numbers there for the point I was making about the offensive system because Khalil Herbert's even lower at 10%. Mm. And and with Justin Fields, you're talking about a guy who was tied for the NFL lead in sacks taken, led the NFL in scrambles, and he only had like 444 dropbacks, I think. Didn't even play the full 17 games. Obviously didn't have massive dropback numbers even in the games he did play. And still, from a raw perspective, was tied for the sack lead and the scramble lead, which are the two other outcomes than a pass attempt on a drop back. So a massive percentage of his dropbacks didn't end in a in a pass attempt, like way higher than any other quarterback. Probably you, one you have the percent in here, right? I have it's like 28%. And I think I so that if you think this. about that, it's like a tar- is a receiver. The yeah. ba- the Bears receiver who's drawing the most targets is is the combination of Justin Fields' legs and him getting and him falling <laughs> to the ground. That's a great way of putting that. Yeah, twenty eight percent. And it's I an elite receiver. If, if you went and dug up every, um, you know, percent of dropbacks that turn into a pass attempt, right? So scramble rate and sack rate and all that. And if you went and dug that up, I think if you did that for every quarterback, probably at least back until like the eighties and seventies when things were a little different, I would guess that twenty eight percent is the highest in NFL history, or until that until that point. Like that's. It's such a massive number from it, from the research I've done. I didn't want to go dig it up because it's not easily like compiled anywhere. Cam Newton like, would be maybe in the mix. Michael Vick at points, maybe. Maybe, but I, I still think Fields was probably higher than both. I think, it was massive. Yeah. So yeah. Montgomery wasn't terrible in that regard. Herbert was low. The running backs were not getting targets. No one was really getting targets because a lot of the dropbacks weren't even becoming that. But especially for a, a high scramble quarterback, the running backs aren't getting targets. It's either going downfield or he's running. Um, so I think that's a defense of Montgomery, but I'm with you in terms of the new setup in Detroit. I feel like Montgomery, even with the really strong, um, contract is going to be a little bit too much like what Jamal Williams was. And you already would have expected Jamal Williams or any running back in that role to probably regress some on the touchdown side of the equation. I mean, I think the most you can expect is like 12 touchdowns, not 20 or whatever Jamal Williams did just as like a baseline. He can obviously beat 12, but I mean, if he has like 12 touchdowns and isn't catching a lot of passes because Swift is really, you know, sort of dominating the receiving and it's sort of like two running backs playing different roles. Like we've seen in a lot of offenses over the years. You think back, I always think back to the Saints where they had like Darren Sproles and like Mark Ingram playing very different roles. Um, I don't think that Montgomery's going to be that pigeonholed, but there is risk of that. And it would be really tough for fantasy, especially because he's not the most efficient runner either. Like I think he's gonna just do yeah. a lot of the 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 hard hat heavy lifting, 
um, like Jamal Williams did, but uh, Jamal Williams plus a, a version of last year's Jamal Williams, but a plus version of that probably catch more passes, still get a lot of the goal line work. But if Swift stays healthy and is a little bit more explosive and he's shown ability, I mean, there's no reason they wouldn't also use Swift as a, as a weapon in their offense in one way or another. As a way, like they would just use both running backs, right? I mean, I just don't see them like sidelining DeAndre Swift. He's a clearly talented player. It's a it's a good problem to have from a team building perspective to have two talented running backs. And and with Swift's injury history, like they probably wanted to get a guy that they felt better about if Swift misses time that can do everything. But when Swift's healthy, like those routes are probably going to go to Swift, which makes me yeah, yeah. pretty uncomfortable with Montgomery. <clears throat> All right. Let's uh before it gets too late here, let's uh let's hop into a super flex draft. We can talk more about some of these undervalued guys as we get rolling. Am I uh I don't want to ask Gretch because it's twisting the knife, but Pat, did I hear this is your you haven't done one of these yet? I ask him as he he leaves. Um, <laughs> it's, it's my first, yes. <laughs> it is I, I assumed it was your first, Gretch. Uh we will uh we'll get rolling. I've done a handful of these. I'm kind of glad to get the one six because on my best ball breakfast, I got a late pick twice and I refused to draft a shitty quarterback. And, you know, everyone tells me I'm crazy. Why don't you just take, you know, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott. My whole thing is I'm already so far behind against the Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes teams. I'd rather beat them at the other positions, taking the Jamar Chase, the Christian McCaffrey's. But this will be an interesting spot at one six because we won't get one of the top three quarterbacks, but we'll have a decision here. Do we think the Superflex fo- format warrants taking a Fields, Burrow, or Herbert here? Yeah, it's fun. You can go either way. I, I think, like, the my, my take on that is you can play it both ways. Yeah. I think you can make a case <clears throat> to swing for the fences with those QBs. Getting the QB position right, they, they have to be huge. But if you get them right in the first round, that like I mean, QB is such a massive position in this format. At the same time, to have the potential to take one of those other, like take a Justin Jefferson or a Jamar Chase, and then pair them with the type of skill position player we could potentially get in the second or even third, and do like a zero QB build. And then if you hit on you know, this year's Geno Smith, for example, like I, Sean and I were doing some builds like that at this time last year, pre-draft. And we took Geno in a lot of the super flexes. And I mean, we had some really good teams. We took a lot of like Kenny Pickett and stuff guys, guys, people didn't want to take. And, right. you know, you can take the rookies, you can take um, like a Baker Richard Mayfield is probably this year's Geno Smith example, right. In Tampa. I mean, I don't know that he's as comfortable. I don't, anyway, so what I, do you, we're on the clock. I, I prefer QB. I'd rather go Herbert or Lamar. Um, let's do just because. Yeah, we can go. Let's QB. do Herbert. Yeah, yeah. For, and for I, roster spot purposes, like yeah, it's super flex, but you have to like if you don't go with the early quarterback, you're probably going to take what like four or five quarterbacks. So. I, yeah, I mean, I've done I've done three and four quarterback builds. I mean, what I was going to show here, okay. so we pick. We pick at 6, 19, 30, and 43. And so a lot of the builds I've done, and I was writing about this because I did an article on Fantasy Life on the Superflex strategy, and I was looking at the quarterbacks that were available after pick 50. So this would be in the fifth round. 
here. And these are the guys that are, are available there. And, you know, Kyler sometimes falls there. Bryce Young, Jordan Love, CJ Stroud, Stafford, Trey Lance, Anthony Richardson, Pickett, Garoppolo, Purdy Ritter. And I felt pretty comfortable getting three to four guys from this tier and just getting four just total stud players um through yeah. my first four pick but that's more from when i'm picking at the back end like the pick i don't like here is the deshaun watson like taking deshaun watson over cooper cup feels so gross to me yeah. you're giving up like straight up like 100 points off of like the qb3 to the qb8 or nine scoring just from last year and then on top of it just thinking a value or in a vacuum where these guys are going in standard one qb leagues hertz is a second round pick deshaun watson is an eighth round pick you're giving up so much fucking value when you make that selection there that I just really don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. At least with Herbert and Lamar, like if Lamar was in um, the Ravens, Oh, I mean, I guess he's, if he, <laughs> if he was definitely going to play for them, I mean, he'd be kind of like a third round value, I think. So. Yeah. You know, I, well, relative to where those other guys are going, I think those guys are going too high in the second round, but you know what I mean? Yeah, so now we are on the clock. You know, a couple of the studs go, so we miss out on, like, the uber elite tier, and now you're deciding between da Daniel Jones, Diggs, A.J. Brown, Kirk Cousins, Devontae Adams, Lamb, Eckler, Bijan. I'd be I'm probably fine with Diggs. Okay, yeah, I would do Diggs, Brown, or Bijan. Mm-hmm. Because it's I think more we of a might, running back heavy format, right? I think we might like the running back oh. that comes back to us. This is a more running back heavy format? There's one less wide receiver. This, this, the flex comes uh, out of the wide receiver spot. Interesting. Interesting. It, okay. Yeah, so it is – yeah, so it's instead of being able to get a max of – the thing is – This is such an underdog uh, structure. Oh, my God. I don't get to play enough underdogs, so I'm just going to yeah. bast them. It's such – I mean, you, you create a super flex, but you can't let it be zero RB friendly by, like, <laughs> leaving the wide receiver slot. Because if it was – three wide receivers, a super flex and a flex, then you can yes. really build zero RB. That extra firepower with the super flex makes it a lot easier. Yeah. But they're like, nah, we definitely need to cut a wider receiver spot and make running back matter more. We just have to have it. Exactly. <laughs> the, the, there's There are rumors uh, flying around Brooklyn that they're going to go standard scoring next year. They, just hate, <laughs> they hate the ADP. They really don't like the ADP right now, and they they're considering it. Standard scoring, three running back, two or uh, two wide receiver format. Point point per running back designation. Point. Yeah, this is going to be point two five point per carry if we're not careful here, guys. Yeah. It's time to start drafting some running backs. <laughs> well, what was crazy is before the ADP settled, I think it was the first draft I did. I did it with Spags on Splash Plan Friday from the twelve spot, I believe, and someone can correct me, but I think I got CMC and Jefferson with my first okay. two picks wrong. and it's just like you shouldn't be able to do that yeah i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not gonna try to compete against the jalen hurts team with fucking deshaun watson and dak prescott when i can take you know this well this is what paul did right from the 11 paul got cmc and cooper cup like like same basic yeah, idea yeah i'm really interested yeah. to see how 10 and 11 build out from here it'll be fun to see but i mean i like one and two what they just did at the turn both of them starting with a, a an anchor running back and a Really it's a gift. You can't mess it's a up a top gift. three pick. Yeah, yeah Mahomes, Bijan, Adams. That's well. I think three taking Cousins in the second round kind of did mess it up, frankly, compared to to I what one and two yeah. did. I yeah, did. and yeah, and Pat. Yeah, maybe you were right too. If you're if you're looking at the running back, wide receiver, two v twos for our selection in two and three. If we go Bijan there, you're basically looking at like 
Bijan, Garrett Wilson, or you're looking at Diggs, Ken, uh, Diggs, Brees Hall. You know, I would I would have been sold on Bijan. I, I think in hindsight. I'm good with Diggs, Brees Hall. That's that's what I, think I, would, I prefer. That actually, that's what right. I was kind of thinking through the two v twos. Is there anything else you'd suggest here, Gretch? I just always want to take care of Wilson, but we can take we can take the running back. I do think that the I do think there's a tier gap with some of these running backs that aren't coming back to us, and and in this specific yeah. format, Brees Hall's a real nice selection. I think, I think yeah, because do be these best. running backs now kind of fly off this like this third round tier is sort of pushed, but they wouldn't get back to us in the fourth, I guess, right? I'm taking I'm taking Bijan Garrett over Diggs Brees. In in, in retro, you are yeah okay. as a two v two. I I want that. It seems very close to me. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not a big gap. Brees Hall yeah. and Diggs are very good football players. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Joseph says, dumb question in regards to ownership. Why is 8% considered being with the field? Because it's one divided by 12. So that's the average from the slots yeah. you'd pick, which is like 8.3%. So if you always just drafted off of ADP and if ADP stayed consistent the entire tournament, you would have, if the sample size was big enough, if you did infinity drafts, right. you would end up with 8.3% of every player. Um. Let's see here. Yeah, I'm and you and you can see here just the the quarterback Thurston. Obviously, it makes sense. It's a fucking super flex draft. But I mean, we are going to be the only. There's only like three teams that are going to escape the first three rounds without two quarterbacks, and it's us and two of the early drafters. Everyone else, well, no, I guess shorter. I guess two teams here are going for the punt QB builds. So you, you see some different strategies, and I think these guys are playing it right based on their draft slot. Yeah, me too. I'm really interested to see how those builds go because I, I do think yeah. if you get QB right late with that type of early build, that's that can be a tournament winning team. Absolutely. If you get the Geno from last year, just somebody who starts and it's good. Mm-hmm. I mean, like they, they have to be good, but somebody who starts and you get a, a you know a stable. I mean, and Derek Carr there is a, a nice pick. The one thing I will say that is a little dangerous about it is the teams where it's optimal for you to not chase the early quarterbacks is from the back end of round one. And what that means is you are liable to further quarterback runs. Cause if you're picking 11 or 12, oh, you have to yeah. wait 20 to 24 picks until yeah. you're up again. So if the room goes truly insane, you might just fucking torch you it. Just burn it. Yeah. Yeah. But, but if you're patient and you can cobble together rooms and I've done my, um, you know, Sam Howell, Richardson, uh, Trey Lance type rooms. Like if you can cobble together a room you feel good about, it's not too bad. Yeah. Um, so our guy Metcalf and T Higgins are sitting here. Also some nice running backs. So definitely feel good about this pocket. I mean, I just want to take receivers every time. Yeah. I'm down <laughs> to take a receiver here. T I, I, I like T slightly more than Metcalf. Do you guys? Yep. Yep. Yeah, I do too. I'd be okay. on T here. Pete, your point about that point you just made if you take that risk and you hit an extra QB run, you basically have to burn it. One of the things that, that we talked about a lot last year and you guys started to, to get me around on better is just understanding that what you can get out of ADP value in, in your builds. And when you're doing a lot of these, I obviously have not done the, the volume of drafting that you guys have done. But I've had the, you know, been here for the conversations and, and been able to think about how I would approach that, and hopefully one day I will get to and um, how I will approach that. And I do think there's something to be said for, you know, when you're doing a high volume of, of lower dollar drafts, 
trying to hit the nuts on your drafts. And mm-hmm. I just was where I'm going on this is I think the super flex format accentuates that, right? Like it gives you an opportunity to try even more to hit the nuts in your draft and really push it and gamble. And you might find out by round 10 that you just want to auto the rest of that draft and you're going to burn it because you missed the thing that you swung for, but you might also, you know, hit it. And and then you're like, Oh, you know, I got one of those builds that I think has a legit shot to win. I think that's one of the fun things about Superflex. It gives you the ability to be more aggressive on the ways that you're playing trying to get the ADP values and get the build right. And and you might really knock it out of the park. And there's too many drafters in regular drafts. And then probably also in super flex that aren't willing to try to make that gamble because they don't want to get boxed out. They just want to be safe too frequently throughout a draft. And so, yeah, I mean, you're going to burn some, but if, if you hit some home runs in your builds that like, I, I don't know if I would like that portfolio more. I think I probably would. If I had a few drafts that really felt Really, really good. Yeah, that's an interesting way to think through it. And then some that feel bad. <laughs> I, I, it's funny, Gretch, you said that because I was thinking about that the other day too, about how willing you should be to like push stuff to get the perfect like faller and stuff. And I was waffling back and forth because like the more you do, the more willing you should be to push it, right? Because you have this big portfolio. On the other hand, I was like countering myself being like, yet still all of the variables and how random the pod luck is in advancing where I'm like, even if I get like the nut closing line value and build this team that no one has access to that combo, it still could just fucking get bounced by randomness. So I was going back and forth. So do you just want more bullets in the chamber, which is a a fair argument. Yeah. Do we, do we need to take a quarterback here? Cause Mark Andrews would be pretty great. I think we can afford Andrews, and and if we look at these quarterbacks coming back, I think with Herbert, we'll feel good about one of these guys as our second. But okay. that's because I'm always willing to push it. Let's push to get it. the elite tight end here. It feels really good. And Andrews here feels great. Yeah. So the other thing I think about, and and maybe this is actually an argument for not pushing it, is I I like looking at these other teams. We know short gamer, oh, yeah. and I was inverted or behind the eight ball. Maybe we'd be more willing to push it coming back the other way where everyone already has at least two quarterbacks. Maybe that was a mistake. I don't know, but we did trade it in for elite tight end, which is already a strong build, plus tight end being slightly more valuable here because, you know, you have that extra weight on the the tight end relative to this to the other skill positions. Right. We don't have any other, you know, Mike Williams goes, I guess, uh, you know, Keenan will be potentially available for a Herbert stack. Otherwise, all of our other pass catchers, their presumed quarterbacks are off the board, unless anyone wants to take a guess at who's throwing the ball to Mark Andrews next year. Um, well, it's not Lamar since we passed on Lamar for Herbert. So, yeah. in, in this reality, it's not. In this reality, it's not Lamar. Uh, well, I, I just thought, I think Gretch's point there was really interesting, like, Let's, I guess let's figure out if what we're doing a quarterback, but yeah. So this is, this is where you do get in this spot where um, it doesn't feel good. Um, We do know Jimmy is at least going to be starting. Um, Jimmy goes. goes. I thought they were pretty high uh, favorites to potentially get Will Levis right now as well. So So at this point, this tier. Yeah. Ritter makes sense to me and I don't like him at all. Um, so I, I honestly, I think we push it a little more. Okay. Everyone here, okay. I don't, these drafters don't strike me as taking Ritter. Well, in we this could, spot. we could go QB, QB Keenan? still, Pete. 
Let's get our stack, dude. All right. right. Get our stack. I did just read an article about how getting that stack can be. You trying to win this thing or not, (laughs) Brett? So here's so the thing with the safety. That's why I drafted people who who win these tournaments. (laughs) I yeah. I I really top ten two years in a row like Pete did. (laughs) I really like the idea of like pushing it for the for the structure where you're like I'm trying to put together this thing. I've had like kind of a love hate relationship with with risk though in these tournaments because it's like kind of what you're talking about, Pete, where you're like, well, you know, there's so many different ways this could go, you know, and it's like if I'm drafting like I'm right, do I want to take on this risky pick later in the draft that's actually going to like fuck up this otherwise awesome team? Like I did it. I nailed it. Now am I going to take this risky pick here or am I just going to try to hit some singles to close this thing out because I already crushed it? Um, now, not every draft you build that way because some drafts you're like, I'm going to be I'm going to be really weak at running back and I'm going to or wide receiver. And I'm going to have to take some, you know, some riskier shots to make sure that I make that's it up, the but. one where I feel like. I would be inclined to be riskier, but oh wow, Pitts Ritter at the six seven turn is such. A I'm more inclined to do this type of stuff where I'm like, I'm taking uh, the the room gave me Mark Andrews. I'm taking it. I'll figure it out. The room, the room, yeah, you know, gave me the stack. Yeah. I'm taking it. I'll figure it out. And then it's like, if you don't figure it out, well, then we're fucking drafting four quarterbacks or whatever, yeah, three, yeah. Or five quarterbacks, whatever the don't, most that makes don't sense. Don't look a, a good pick, a gift horse in the mouth. Right in the mouth, but uh, what I was going to say is I'm more inclined to do that. But Pete's point earlier about the randomness with the advanced structure and everything does it does have to be taken into consideration. Where you just sort of want to give yourself a lot of bullets. Trying too hard to make the nuts team is maybe not the right way to play it from a percentages standpoint because you do have to right. You have to get lucky. I think you want to. Yeah, I like to push it on structure a little bit more. I guess. Uh, so Mac Jones feels like pretty Ma- solid. I was gonna say, yeah, Belichick shenanigans aside, he's okay. he's the one guy here I feel pretty confident. Or, gonna be or Tannehill. Tannehill's probably starting. I like Mac more than Tannehill, but what do you I'm I'm good with that. Yeah, let's do Mac. Yeah. I, I do feel as much as I want to keep pushing it, we should probably grab a second starter here. Um, but yeah, and and you see it here because drafters you know, you would think someone who spent two for, you know, top three round picks on quarterbacks might pump the brakes, but no, they're tacking on Jordan Love here. You know, you're just seeing drafters. The team that started Jalen Hurts, Kirk Cousins, is taking Kyler Murray, um, where they start three out of their first four picks are our quarterbacks. So what do you guys think about the idea that four QBs might be optimal? Because I, I, I think I feel like we talked about this a little bit last year. I can't remember where we landed on it. I know that when I play in super flex dynasty best ball, uh, I like to try to get four starters. I don't think enough people do it in dynasty, but you have a lot more roster spots to play with in that format. Right. right? That's the big issue. Yeah. And you have to go into the final week of these tournaments and you want to admit as many live bullets as you, as you can possibly have. So if you, you know, only have two quarterback spots to fill quarterbacks, you know, aren't going to separate from the, from other quarterbacks as, as much. And so now you have less bullets. You know, if you've spent four on quarterback, you're just, you're not like as live going into the final week in some ways. Yeah. It's a good point. And if, and again, if you, you think about the idea 
of drafting like you're right. And trust me, I get why three quarterbacks in super flex feels really comfy. But if you're using, you know, top three, top four capital to get that third quarterback, you're drafting a guy that for most weeks is never going to sniff your starting lineup. If you draft like you're right, that third quarterback is going to be in your starting lineup like two times because of the bye weeks for those. Other and and that's how you really hurt yourself for week 17. You know, you're, you've burned your third round pick or fourth round pick on, on that quarterback spot that in this, in this draft room, that could be like your RB one. Right. That you just don't have. Yep. The counter is like, depending on like the draft room dynamics, it's like we take Mark Andrews at pick 54 and now, you know, Dallas Goddard is continuing to slide to, you know, like pick 91 and you start to look at some of those two V twos. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, I, I, about, I I like Swift here. Yeah, um, Swift's a good pick here. I like that. I would also float Traylon Burks. Yeah. Set this I, up I for think, a little pick on the next round if we want to do that. So let's look at our drafters in front of us. None of them have more than one running back. So I'd kind of, I guess that guy has two. I'd kind of push us to the okay. running back. All right. And yeah, I do think. You know, with the quarterback stuff, too, I mean. I just want to make us land on Sam Howell. <laughs> he, he's probably going to be gone by the time we pick next, but I, I do like Howell. Well, and then who is behind him? Oh, Baker and Levis, I think, are both very viable. Levis, Levis to me, is a much better pick than Baker. Yeah. And I think Levis is yeah. bad. I but they, I bet, I've been taking Levis. Yeah. 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 I mean, unless this slide, I don't know. Everything, the stuff on Levis is so weird. People are like. Apparently, NFL GMs were watching Ship Chasing last week, and they didn't like what they saw. And they're talking <laughs> about how his body picks, his body transformation picks, is is very uh, unbecoming of an NFL starter. They don't like it. I don't know. Is he really Gretch, falling out of the first of round over a, a back pick? David Montgomery, DeAndre Swift, back to back. Wow, picks. Because you're I, not I seeing this a... in big board. There's more. There's like what a round and a half, two round gap. That's what I was going to say. I thought there was more yeah. of a gap. Not here. What do you think? So Lovestar says he he's saying two quarterbacks will be the nuts in the playoffs. Do you agree with that? Because I it would strike me that I would want to do something like what Team One did, maybe, but have the Ritter pick be later. Like if I could get basically Howell there, that would feel better to me. I yeah, like I mean, Howell. obviously, I'd love to have three quarterbacks in three different stacks, <laughs> you, you yeah. know. But I think his point more is that <laughs> if you have the two earlier QBs, that you're not forcing a third early quarterback. I, I'm guessing is. I completely is. agree with yeah. that, but I but I would I would have some interest in tacking on one of these la these last guys like Tannehill. So yeah. the whatever. prevailing wisdom is not anywhere we'll near my four QB point. It's that you can go to QB, even though it's super flex. Right. It, it, I think you could, like, if, you, if you're going to burn your first two picks on quarterbacks, you probably should go to quarterbacks. That's what the Cincy kid has done here. He <laughs> took Watson and Prescott, and now he's just been done. Uh, Burks does fall here, guys, so. I'm into that. Let's do it. Yeah. I think I'm, I believe, and someone correct me if I'm wrong in the chat, I want to say Burks' ADP is ahead of Pickens in the original big board but here it's it's after there's some weird quirks that like no pickens was going ahead of of was Burks, he? i think yeah okay because i mm, maybe i'm wrong about that actually let me pull, i took let me Burks, actually pull this i took up. a ton of Burks. 
I have an insane amount of Burks on the big board. Burks? Uh, I mean, we were just talking about the targets per out run stuff. He had a really strong season. I mean, he only ran 250 routes, had some injury stuff, but strong per out. Yeah, run but it was all gadgets. It was all gadget routes, right? No, Even, yeah. Pick, did he earn any downfield volume at all? And then he yeah, was a, was he was screen. efficient. Yeah, I mean, obviously you're joking. And he was efficient uh, yards per target-wise as well. I mean, he was good. Yeah. You look at Pickens, who people really love, he's got work to do. He was significantly worse in targets per out run and in earning volume throughout his rookie year. Also but he was open. efficient as well. What's that? Pickens didn't get open per ESPN, so that might be Ooh. why he wasn't earning targets. They're open score. Yeah, I got to look at that stat. That's a good, that's a good it's one. It's a good one, man. It's yeah. a good one. You do see some weird stuff like Jacoby Myers like was like I think like top four in twenty twenty or something, twenty twenty one maybe. So you know there's there's occasionally some goofy stuff, but is the good. open score is that like a charting metric? No, it's a, it's uh player tracking. Oh okay. so uh Kevin Cole had a good uh pod where he brought one of the guys from ESPN on and they're explaining like it's not just on targeted routes, it's also on um they can Basically, when the ball is thrown, they can see where everyone was, and they're able mm. to. I think it. I think it weights higher if you are targeted, but they're basically able to like give people credit for getting open on every single route, whether you know whether mm. or not they did. So it's a pretty cool metric. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. These two both have three quarterbacks. Uh this does feel like Levis territory to me. Yep. For sure. Um, I, I would say there's a gap after Levis to yeah. the Brissett Minshew. I actually don't mind Brissett. I think he's probably taking that job. Yeah, you're probably right. I I, I haven't wanted I to come to grips with that yet, but like here's the I think, thing. I think Kyle's getting his ass sat down real quick. They they wouldn't even play him. They Heineke had to tell him to put him in. They don't they don't trust him. And then they but came to the offseason well and said he's, he's our guy. And they didn't add anyone. And then they, they brought in Jacoby Brissett, who that was Jacoby Brissett late in free agency, not early, not quick. Listen, you're <clears> dealing <throat> with Ron Rivera. No, it's I, just, I mean, it's not what I'm we not want saying to it's a lock. It's what's going to happen. I, Ron I Rivera know. is going to immediately be like, I don't like this. I'm starting the most boring thing I can do. I'm doing the most boring thing I can do, which is. It's certainly in the car. I mean, in, in play. Like, that's definitely, I'm not going to argue that that's possible. That's definitely possible. I think they're both going to get uh, first-team snaps, and Sam Howell's good enough, and, and he's just been underrated from a prospect perspective by the NFL through the draft process. I, I was shocked draft. he fell to the fifth round. I, yeah. I agree with you on, the, on that. For sure. And I think he's going to win the like win the job. It's just going to be that evident. That would be my take. My, yeah. my thing is I side more with Gretch on that, but also the commanders are such a fucking inept franchise than – like. Any smart franchise would be like, yeah, let's see what we have in 16 games with Sam Howell. See if we landed on a franchise quarterback. Any smart organization in the commanders are literally the dumbest organization in football. <laughs> and so now I'm like, they probably will just fucking. And who's who's that. more on the hot seat than Rivera this season? Right. Like almost no one. You make so a great what's, point there. What's he going to do? I agree with you. Howell's going to win the job week one. He's coming into the season as the starter, but he is not going to be the starter for the entire season. I feel pretty confident about that so you yeah. think it's gonna go the opposite direction of like the Mariota ritter thing i, I feel like it'd be more yeah, like I Brissett do. just starts and then they suck and they're like fine we'll go back to Howell. no i think they're gonna go let's see what we have we believe in them and then they're gonna chicken out they're gonna be total mm -hmm. cowards and they're gonna go you got the enemy there who's got to prove that he isn't just a product of patrick mahomes if 
Sal Howell throws like two and two and three interceptions or whatever. He's 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 done. Um, I I don't know. We're probably running. I mean, I like Herbert. I've been taking a shit ton of P Ryan. Um, I don't think we need to take a quarterback here. What do you guys like? Uh, Sutton. Yeah, I was gonna say Sutton. Let's do it. I'm fine with him. I don't really see a lot in his profile that that is a huge red flag when I was going through it. Other to be than, clear, I hate the point that I'm making on Howell, and I hope that I'm wrong because I have yeah. way more fun if Howell yeah. does it. I just don't – I just think – just like the psychological aspect of the coaching staff there is like they're just not going to do something fun. I mean, you're way closer to um, a good point than I'm going to allow myself to accept for the entire offseason. <laughs> I'm just going to pretend like I've never heard you say that. <laughs> like it's just in one ear and out the other. I, I already forgot. <laughs> it just feels the most likely to me by far is that they're going to do. They're going to. Where be are you guys aggravated. at on the the Ritter Heineke situation? I felt like Howell and Ritter both dodged bullets in free agency, like pretty big ones, because people were talking about both those teams as potential landing spots for Lamar. You know, for for the yeah. other free agents, for Derek Carr at, at various times, for different guys, for them to just get hit with long-term backups essentially and Ritter more so because Heineke really has been a long-term yeah. backup and then Washington yeah. let him walk. Brissett started last year and it started Brissette was good last year. Yeah. I think he deserves credit for that. He could be he kind does. of a Geno type. I think he does. That's fair. I don't but think Ritter, I mean, as much of a bullet as Ritter did. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think, I mean, I think Heineke could maybe be like annoying and come in for some games, but like, what are they like to me it's like <laughs> the way smith gets himself fired is by starting taylor heineke you know what i mean because it's like wow you really really just don't have a plan i think he probably has one more season maybe i don't know it that, that one's tougher for me to get a read on because i don't understand why they're going to commit to ritter in the first place ritter looks so bad oh this this question is so fucking triggering who starts more games trask or how my god it has to be hell. If that's not hell, <laughs> it has to be hell. If that's not hell, I'm really. Although, I don't know. I man. Baker looks so bad. <laughs> um, no quarterbacks have come off the board since our last pick. Um, we could structurally use running backs. Um, I do like Gainwell and, and Mitchell here. Where are you guys at, Gibson? It. I, I like Gainwell and Mitchell too, but Gibson to me feels like even maybe a cut above. I don't think Brian Robinson really did much this year. Are they going to add? It's it's, B, it's Bijan worry because they could do that. Okay, they're one of the kind of the more obvious spots where it's like, like if you just think about Washington, it doesn't seem that obvious. But when you look like where Bijan can actually go, that one actually sort of makes sense. Okay, I could see it. You guys, any other strong I, takes here? I like Mitchell. Skyboard. I've taken a ton of Mitchell. <laughs> no. We, we, need, we need more running back. Gretchen, so what did you just skip this Kansas City section of Gretchen's of, of, of yeah, article? Because he, he was pretty, pretty encouraging. I saw, trust more. me, I saw it. I saw Sky there at the top. At I the did. very top? Did you see him at the yeah, very top of the yeah. wide receivers? Did you, yeah. me, did you see mention, uh, Gretchen mention that Kelsey might be winding down a little bit and targets might come up? <laughs> it's a possibility. <laughs> well, it, uh, uh, I definitely. Uh, when Leone is, uh, you know, subtweeting us on his pod saying like, it's pretty insane that, uh, Sky's going ahead of MBS. Like what's going on here. It's like, Leone, we know what's going on here. <laughs> right Actually, now. I, that's not, he's, do, he's doing that now or that was yeah. last year. No, now uh, that's right. Now. I would take Sky over MBS. Get out of here, Leone. 
I would say, come on. You MVS know, is, the gap, the gap is a little guy. wide, but it, it's more about MVS yeah. being undervalued, I think. Yeah. MVS is undervalued, but MVS is a cap ceiling player. We know that for a for fact. Sure. Yeah. Mm. He's a he's a piece to a, a best ball build, but I, I feel very confident that MVS is not going to suddenly be a superstar. I I don't think you can be 100% confident this guy more. And, and he could be dust again next year, but I think you have to feel, I think, 80% of the time that he's going to be at least a viable player in the 2023 season for fantasy. He's going to do some stuff, right? I think the, the counter argument would be if the, they draft somebody or they sign somebody it's yeah. more snaps that we're worried about, not MBSs. I think his well, floor is much lower. And if you think about like how we all fucking chased up Gabe Davis as like, you know, the quote unquote second target on an elite offense, and we chased him into the fourth round. I mean, Sky Moore's price tag is far more palatable uh, right. where he's going. Oh, yeah. Now. Wait, wait. oh yeah. are we getting you back in? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have unironically taken Taysom Hill a million times in these. No, I take I'm not doing the Taysom Hill thing. Jacoby Brissett is still sitting there after all you this. Want, should we just get Jacoby? Yeah, yeah dude. We know what's going to happen. I'm Mac so sorry, Lewis. Howell Hive. Hang on. I'm so sorry. Pat, I need to hear this. You know that Taysom can't be used in the Superflex slot here. What? Talk to me about why you're still on Taysom Hill here. I don't see the <laughs> Still Taysom build. <laughs> because he was a good pick last year. And they're he was going to do good... the exact. He was a good <laughs> He was a good pick last year. It's, he it's, was last year when he was going in the last round and had a path to being the starting quarterback. They bring in Derek Carr. Now he's going four rounds earlier and doesn't have a direct path to actually becoming hey, the quarterback. Hey, Pete, I don't know if you heard, but Alvin Kamara is going to have a long suspension and he's going to get some goal line usage as a fucking tight end. There's no tight ends that get goal line carries, man. Wake up. I, I hate <laughs> I that I will take my L up. The Taysom Hill truthers were correct last year. It was a and very we're right good again. Play. No, <laughs> we're right, no. We're right two years ago because you refused to admit it. He's going higher, and the situation is far, far worse. Also, Juwan Johnson it's was not good last worse. Year yeah. It's not worse. He's basically a goal line back. They brought in Jamal. Jamal Williams is going to get everything. I know he scored a million touchdowns last year. He's just going to get every single carry. They're gonna they're gonna incorporate him because they don't have they don't have Camara. No, this is a millionaire heat check. Fucking bullshit take. <laughs> I, I like I like Josh's point, Pat. I think you need to turn your two million back in with this Taysom take. <laughs> Whatever. I, you wait until Maddox just launched the newsletter. You'll hear all about Taysom soon enough. <laughs> you you don't need Taysom to be a QB to pay off. Go fucking look at his game logs last year. Two points, three points, two points. At a thirteenth round draft cost, there's way too much opportunity cost to be selecting Taysom for that usage. Dude. There was just no points at the tight end position to be had, and he is going to get some some touchdowns because he actually gets used as a as like a running back. He's so a he's Pat, a look me in he's the a face handcuffed running back with tight end eligibility. You're taking Taysom Hill over Greg Dolchich. No, I've never done that. Okay, just making sure. Um. All right, we are back on the <laughs> clock. I think. Wanda <laughs> Robinson. Oh, let's look at tight ends. I refuse. I am at the helm, and I fucking refuse. All to right, let's take Wandell. Right? All right, that's fine. That's fine. That's We're going to have to load up on uh, running backs after this. Okay. Well, Zeke was the top running back. So, so what's yeah, going on with the Giants? Because they, they have Crowder, Shepard, Paris Campbell, Wandale. Like, I, I don't know. I'm just – I would like to be in on Wandale. I like his rookie numbers, but I, it, routes was already the concern there. His route rate wasn't great. And they have like 18 slot receivers. 
His routes were mostly fine when he was healthy. He like he was one of those guys that like got hurt when he started to build into the big role. Like he should have had his late season rookie yeah. push, but he was hurt. I went back and looked at it. He was never he was never a, like a true true full time role. But some of it was but something he was like banged up in games too. Well, like, maybe, that happened maybe. a couple times. But even a single game, I don't think he had a single game above like eighty five percent. Okay, and, and yeah, that's not great for sure. I I, I hear you, but. So, but 85% is good. He had 81, 85, 83, three games in a row at one stretch. And then he was 67 the next week and done for the year. And that was, right. I mean, he, he got to the point and then didn't get to, to, to build right. on it. Paris Campbell but even was not that very isn't like, year. What's it's, that? It's fine. 85 is fine. It's good. It's, it's good. great for a tight end. It's not. For a I mean, slot you want receiver. your wide receivers at like 90% plus ideally. A lot of slots are only in like 70%. Yeah, 70, 75, yeah. I mean, the fact that he's up over 80 as a slot receiver, I'm pretty comfortable with. He's not like he's not like an X receiver, you know. If why no, I would be I would out. be fine with it if not for the target competition. That's the or I'm like, what's well, so Paris Campbell was mostly just routes last year. He wasn't very good at earning volume or doing anything with it. Shepard has had a whole really hard time staying healthy. Crowder's yeah. really old. I mean, I don't know that that's really that much competition. It's just weird that they keep signing guys yeah. for his job repeatedly. Same, same guy, yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, I do like Roshan here. Um, any other? Did a band guys... of Canada go? Uh, yeah, in this fucking yeah. ship chasing draft, of course he did. I like a band of Canada going over Roshan is just only something that would happen in a ship chasing draft. I have Roshan right over. Will Roshan over like like over it, who? It, it says, I was gonna say some of the other rookies. Like Pat, you wrote about uh. Bigs being Kendra. I mean, I'm I, I like Bigs being Kendra a lot. More I'm, than Roshan? I'm, yeah, I actually like those guys over Roshan, but if we can get both of them, we should do it. Yeah. I don't mind playing the ADP game with those. Those guys okay. are all in the same tier for me. I would have almost mm-hmm. probably went Singletary there. I mean, I just he's he's a good football player, isn't he? Yeah. No? He's a snap consolidator, I think. Okay. He, he earns coaches' trust. And then you can, I've I've still selected Singletary a few times. He's a guy that will fall in drafts like well past his ADP. You can get some cheap prices on him. It's not sexy to go take the veteran back up to, you know, the rookie that just had a really good year. But I mean, he's going to be like a a nice handcuff at this price. I, I don't, Damon Pierce, never a workhorse in college, didn't make it through 17 games as a rookie. Looked great. Singletary probably still gets. You know, number two touches. They might and not then, be done at running back, though. What's that? That's a team I work. They might not be done at new coaching sure. staff, new system. Sure. Yeah, they might not be done. It's like I, the I market knows too. I've been shocked, and I think I've already mentioned this on a ship chasing show. I'm shocked that Damian Pierce isn't going higher in drafts. It's like the market still... just knows they're going to do something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that seems like a very valid point, and. You make a good point about Singletary probably being a little bit more of a consolidator of snaps and everything. I still think like it's a bet to make in the 15th and 16th round at mm-hmm. this point. Like, he's yeah, been I, mean, an I don't, I'm not gonna say it's, it's not. I just, I don't, it's just, it's so tough to get excited about. Just fought him to 16.7. I mean, Rex Burkhead was worth a 15th or 16th round pick last year in, in this offense. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's true, but so we lost. We lost Tank. Tank went. Uh, Tank. No. Oh, Tank's Tank there. Go. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm still. I, like t- I don't know why Tank's 
slipping this far. He's a potential three down back. Yeah, let's let's get on. Tank. You guys want to do tank? Yeah, let's let's tank. What. That seems low to me. Tank's a th- potential three down back. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, big back caught some passes. Yeah, two ten. He's uh, very, he was very productive. Uh, yeah, not I mean, the most athletic guy, but good enough. If you're paying like attention five to the, if you're paying attention to the rookie draft That's last week, the guy oh, who did geez. all the guy who did all his research in the hours before the rookie draft last week drafted Tank Bigsby. I don't I don't know you know who, who that was, but <laughs> figured out the the whole thing in, in two hours and then drafted. Yeah, that that <laughs> rookie mock draft. In two hours. That feels like literally an eternity ago. That was just it last does. week. Yeah. Also, I should say, uh, I do just want to say, we got a lot of good feedback on that show. Uh, people really enjoyed it. If you guys missed that last week, Superflex, uh, Titan Premium, David Kitchen, Dynasty Mock Draft. We had uh, Ron Stewart, uh, JJ, and Blair, and uh, had a very fun time. So check that out if you missed it. We'll have to do some more uh, collabs. Maybe we do another We'll of course have our draft stream, but maybe we do a post-draft uh, collab rookie mock draft as well. That'd be good. Um, to, 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 all right. So structurally here, uh, four, five, six, one, four quarterbacks, five running backs, six wide receivers, one tight end. We actually have some decent like stack options, dusty stack options with our tight ends coming up here too. Let's do we only have two more picks? No. Uh, four. Okay. We got four. He says while yawning. Yeah. <laughs> so we could do Taekwon Thornton if we want to be done at wide receiver and stack with Mac. Anything else jumping out? I like you guys? that a lot. That yeah. seems like a really yeah. good yeah. idea. Yeah. Where where do you guys think? Like one thing, you know, I always try to do the like, oh, where am I projecting this rookie quarterback to land? Can I galaxy brain a, uh, a stack? Like where do you, where do you galaxy brain a Will Levis stack to? I never know what to do with I that. I think it's the Raiders. Raiders would be the Raiders. Easiest. Yeah. Okay. That's the one I've seen the most. If if that happens, do you think he sits, or you think he beats out Jimmy G? I think he sits, and then the Raiders are bad, and they start him for some games. Yeah. Jimmy G throws some crucial picks midseason. Yeah. Mm. McDaniels looks like he's losing the locker room a little bit. He decides to shake it up. Devontae <laughs> Adams has a few. Yeah. Devontae Adams has a few particularly coming. bad games because <laughs> Jimmy G can't get the ball to him. Yeah. Okay, so right. Will Levis with my Devontae Adams stacks. That's what I'm hearing. Yes. Right. There you go. I mean, if Devontae Adams can do it with Jared Sim, Lord knows he can do it with fucking Will Levis. Just just uh, solidifying that Hall of Fame case. Devontae Adams just crushing that's the true. Ropes. That's right. He's doing like the, the Benjamin Button thing, but with like Allen Robinson's career, where his like quarterbacks just keep getting worse and worse. <laughs> that's so true because his last, his first his first few years were so horrible. Yeah. People thought he was a total bust, and then he's been yeah. incredible. Yeah, oh, I love that. Some Sammy Laporte's love in here. Sounds like the man's talking about his favorite favorite tight end. Sammy Sammy Laporte's the fucking draft is the athletic fucking freak. Um, (laughs) I know. I've seen the Raz. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What do we? What do we? What's our gross stack up? Oh God! I we just I just thought of one. The Hunter Henry. Um, It's worse than that. Uh, is it? We can we wait. We can, it's so back. gross. We can wait a long time. <laughs> okay. Um, I've taken a lot of Chuba Hubbard. 
Me too. What about dude. Dwayne McBride? He's nice. like my second highest owned uh, running back in in the first big board. Yeah, I, I like I like McBride too, Gretch, but he's he's like he doesn't catch any passes at all. I think he's literally okay. caught like five career passes. Oh, or something. that was crazy him. shit. Yeah. So, I don't think that's an exaggeration. By the way, I think he might have five career receptions. So yeah, the the Chuba stuff to me, it's like he's being drafted as like at super cheap handcuff prices could have a standalone role and then would just be an absolute smash if Miles Sanders got hurt. Yeah. Also Miles Sanders is like a decently talented running back, but already was like losing snaps weirdly around the goal line to Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott. It's like guy who was never that great on a second contract and a new team. Like would it be like crazy if he eventually got passed? And they committed so much to the run last year that like, there were games where Chuba Foreman and fucking Blackshear were like all right. contributing to the box score because they were establishing it so hard. Miles has yeah, had okay. some absurd yards per carry numbers, which I think the NFL cares about more than we do. He's Who? been really good every year. He's a career 5.0 yards per carry guy. Sanders? Who? Yeah. Okay. Great offensive line, though, and yeah. just was coming from a mobile quarterback. So. And a mobile quarterback. Yeah, we'll see how that translates. Because they might, they might care about his yards per carry dropping substantially. Right. It could be a, a big issue later. By the way, Dwayne McBride, who I do like, had zero receptions in his first year, three in his second year, and two receptions in his third year. The guy's played 30 <clears throat> college games. He has five career receptions. Okay, all the the jokes about Kenneth Walker maybe not literally having hands. I mean, are we in that? <laughs> yeah, five I mean, catches? He, like, if you didn't have hands, you could probably catch five passes. <laughs> it's, it's it's bananas. I don't understand. And his yards per route run is also like the lowest I, I've ever seen. So he was running some routes. Like, it's not like he never ran any routes. So I don't know. But he he's like crazy elusive. He, off the charts and elusive rating. He handled a big workload. So I'm kind of into PPR. Him. I don't, I don't know if you don't know this, but it's half point PPR. Yeah. I'm down to take him if you want. And close he's out. Gone. Close oh, out Dwayne. No, no he's, not. Yeah, he's, he's there. there. All right, let's do it. Who has I've more taken him a lot in the 20th round? Who has more uh, catches next year? Dwayne McBride or Travis Etienne? <laughs> Unfortunately, it's McBride. <laughs> <laughs> So here, here's a question structurally. Are we are we good with a two tight end build with Andrews and a total punt? Or do we go two tight ends yeah. to finish this out? Well, well we actually, we only have can. one pick. So we're <laughs> so. <making> a tight end. <laughs> I forgot the McBride. Because I was looking at Hunter Henry there. Answer, we need to take a tight end. Maybe we take uh, Samuel Laporte's. I want to know who the really gross one is. Wait, who's our quarterbacks? Uh, we have Justin Herbert. Uh, oh, you want to take Donald Parham or like Trey McKitty or somebody? No, no, it's, it's grosser than Charger? that. It's both a better pick and grosser than that. Is it Hunter Henry? No, no, it's not mine. I'm not going to take credit for it. Oh, it's Washington. No, you Logan Thomas. You want to take nope. Logan? No, where's where's Ooh. Sam Sherman? Where's my ADP chasing heads at? It's a, is stack. It a stack, yes, of sorts. Of sorts. What does this mean? Is it Foster Moreau? Wait, didn't you're on, on the right? Foster you're getting closer. You're, you're warming up. Oh, who's, Hooper? Who's Las Vegas? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's Sam Sherman's boy, Austin Hooper. 
Oh, 80. Yeah. I hate it. Will, I mean, so you're, you're week 17, Will Levis to Austin Hooper. That's what we're doing around here. <laughs> I mean, Hunter Henry's definitely a better pick. Yeah. But if he's gone, <laughs> Hunter Henry is. Yeah. I'm here for Austin Hooper. That's fine. I'm here for it. <laughs> look at all, so look nice. at all, look at all these stack options we got. I mean, it's just an absolute plethora. Did I mean, yes, he did. Really? I was, I was he hoping. He goes ahead of Hunter Henry. That's, that's he does to me. Yeah. Henry's like definitely better, right? He goes fit. Like what is it? Can I do my math right now? Like 40 picks ahead. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Gretch, where are you Henry, was, Henry was bad last year. Yeah. He was on the fucking Patriots. And then Gesicki might, like play receiver for them, I guess. Mm. I mean, I think that's the. Or he might be Johnny Smith. Yeah, no, he's probably not going to be good. No one on the Patriots passing game is ever any good. <laughs> we it, have it, Matt it, Jones it and Tegman Nord. It doesn't work out for anyone. We're going. <laughs> Did it work out for Johnny Smith? No, but it might work out for my. <laughs> it might work out for us. <laughs> All, right, All right, let's go, Hunter Henry. Hunter, Hunter Henry, Henry, Austin Hooper, or the Bullet. I think I wanna, we. Uh, I want to do a Hooper. We double stack. We double stack. As fun as the Hooper thing is, we don't actually even know if we have the Richards quarterback. Pete, where are you at? <laughs> I'm. I'm a Henry. All right, there it is. I haven't caught in Hooper fever yet. <laughs> you're not a Hooper. Unless you're talking about my co-host on Lowell's, Brian Hooper. Um. Uh. Okay. This team. This team for the audio listeners who I have forgotten to service tonight. I'm sorry. Um. Four quarterbacks, Justin Herbert, Mac Jones, Will Levis, Jacoby Brissett, honestly fine. Seven running backs, Brees Hall, DeAndre Swift, Eli Mitchell, Roshan, Johnson, Tank Bisbee, uh, Chuba Hubbard, Dwayne McBride. Our wide receivers, Stefan Diggs, T. Higgins, Keenan Allen, Traylon Burks, Cortland Sutton, Juan Dale, Robinson, Tyquan Thornton. In our tight ends, Mark Andrews and Hunter Henry. Do you guys Honestly. think we could have got away with six receivers here? Probably. With how strong they are at the top? I really like that we stacked up Jones, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially right, with that weaker you, quarterback like, okay, room. Take the Wandale pick out then. What does he do? Yeah, that probably, that was good. where we really fucked up. When we <laughs> <laughs> I think we probably could have, but this time of year, like with the running backs, it does feel like maybe you can hit some bigger home runs, you know? Yeah. Those yeah. rookies, like Bigsby could be a third round pick, lands in a good situation, or McBride. McBride won't be third round, probably fourth or fifth, but. Look at my Roshan look at my Navy look nice. at my Navy convection for Love my it. first three drafts. Love it. Uh, we can finally get one in here that's not a... <laughs> no influencer 101s, I guess. Yeah. Anchor QB draft. Finally. There we go. Um all right. I, I will say I know I know some some people don't seem to like the uh, the super flex drafts as much. I know I'm not going to max this contest, but I do enjoy the change of pace. It's it's uh it's a little fun. Did you actually max there. the big board? Were you able to? Well, um, Pat, it's interesting you no. say that. So uh, no. so far, I have completed 97. It with you can do math. It means no. I'm currently in 53. Oh, big board no. <laughs> Dude, I had in in the latest article. I, I like started to give advice about a band of kind of like where I would take him in the, in, you know, in the big board slow drafts. It was like, I had this thing of like, if you're sick as Pete over and I linked to your thing. And then I was just like, Pete can't still be doing that. Like I got, <laughs> I, I was like, I got this article about, about like five days later than I wanted. I was like, this can't still be a thing. Like this is an outdated reference now. 
Dude, I have, and I will tell you, I have been smashing Izzy in these slow drafts. Like, oh, right. I, cause I, I had like probably like 2% um, yeah. before, and I've probably gotten it up to like 15 or 60%. Cause whenever I'm on the clock, I'm like, I'm just fucking taking Izzy. That's what I did. Yeah. I, every, round 17 at the very end of the big board, I was just like, Izzy, every How time. How much Izzy. do you hate being in 53 slow drafts at one time? Well, here's what I'll say. I don't mind it. I don't um, accept when fucking Chris G tags me in the Discord and says I'm on the clock in one of them. Uh, that's when I really fucking lose it. I threatened to boot him from the server for that behavior. <laughs> that is amazing. What a troll. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Dude, I... I, I like it's so funny like thinking about how my brain processes it because there's like a pavlovian response to being on the clock right and it's like oh i have a pick like that's fun we all get that excitement but then you like get into a room and you're like i gotta fucking remember who i have on this team do i need a fucking stack what it like it's just so exhausting reviewing each team. dude i hate slow drafts for that reason i can't do that every time i immediately my memory's wiped every time i have to be like fuck who do i even have it's so it's so bad and like then you i start to form these like very weird relationships with these teams i'm like oh yeah i remember this team from three days ago <laughs> remember this piece of shit team <laughs> you know how like you always feel good about your team after you draft a fast draft like you're gonna come out with like 55 teams that you fucking hate <laughs> you know what but my ocd maxing it is really why i did all of this i do not care about my roi i just needed that 150 number to stare at dude um, you better hope that no, no one gets it a little crazy in one of these drafts that underdog has to avoid it Oh my god, I swear to fucking god, if any of you get one of my drafts voided, I will lose it. Um wow. underdog should allow you to draft like um uh like an overflow draft where it's like just in case one of your drafts get thrown out, you do get to use this one. But if not, well, then you just draft this if one. If they draft. if they had to void one, they would have one available draft for the big board then, wouldn't they? they would, I think it would just be like a, a little overlay, a little gift. It would to be the an people. overlay situation. Yeah. Uh, um, wow. thank you, Lawrence. Yeah. The, trust me. You, you want to see someone make a meal out of something. It'll be me winning the big board with a slow draft team. <sighs> yeah. Dude, uh, I actually don't know if we can handle that as a community. Yeah. <laughs> we, you can definitely win, but please do it with a fast draft. <laughs> I think, I think what my bit would be, would be to record a celebration in a 60 second short, but then edit it to where it's on like 0.1 X speed. And my announcement is like no, a 30 minute. You gotta, you gotta piece it out over several days. Oh, so everything to give like two, two seconds of my acceptance speech. Yeah. You gotta give it to us over the course of a fucking week. Now Whatever. I do want you to win. Cause I like that idea to win with the slow draft, please. Hey, uh, I did well in my slow draft Dalmatian that I accidentally drafted uh, last summer when we hopped in. Um, all right. Fun show. Uh, Pat, you do have the uh, uh, big uh, Izzy screed up on uh, Legendary Upside. Anything else that people need to keep an eye out for? Yeah, I'm going to be uh, doing a podcast uh, recording tomorrow with Travis May talking about nice. the rookie class. Uh, in some more depth, he's of, uh, formerly of Rotoviz, uh, fantasy or uh, Mojo, Mojo trading platform now, and uh, we'll be uh, yeah continuing to roll out episodes of the Legendary Upside podcast, which I launched uh, with with the episode with JJ last week. You can check that out wherever you listen to podcasts.
Awesome. Uh, Gretch, definitely check out the back-to-back NFC, AFC posts uh, that we were showcasing earlier on the stream. Uh, anything else coming from you, Ben? Uh, yeah, I'm sure I'll have some stuff, but uh, nothing imminent. As I mentioned earlier on the show, my daughter's birthday tomorrow, Easter weekend. My mom gets a uh, knee replacement surgery Monday, spend some time Uh-oh. with family over the weekend before that. A little bit busy in the Gretsch household for the next few days. But, yeah, I'll figure something out next week. There you go. Yeah, be sure, though, uh, very good stuff up there looking at the uh, targets per route run for NFC and AFC. Um, We will be back, or you guys will be back. uh, We should mention you're doing um, ADP chasing a little earlier on Friday. That's right. I think it's at 11 on Friday. Yeah. Uh, so a little tweak there, not the 1 p.m. on Friday, going to be 11 a.m. I will be doing lulls tomorrow, and then uh, Spags and I are going to push up Splash Play on Friday to accommodate the ADP chasing divas. So we will be uh, 10 to 11, and then you can head over and watch ADP chasing after that. Also, uh, Davis and I just did a take cast earlier today. That oh, audio nice. will be up there, and I posted the video on my channel if you guys want to check that out. Um, but appreciate you guys as always next week, maybe, maybe we can get, um, a political and NFL insider back on the show, unless there's some other holiday that I'm not remembering, but until He's then, correctly predicted, uh, <laughs> the Trump indictment, uh, yeah. major quarterback news and that it was Passover tonight. He is three for three. <laughs> yeah. It, it took him a while to be able to predict that Passover was tonight, but he did finally land on that prediction. Appreciate you guys. The chat was popping tonight. You can always become a YouTube member, unlock the ship chasing private discord channel within the deposit kingdom. Discord instructions are down below. Would love to have you guys in there. Unless you're going to pull a Chris G and tag me when I'm in the clock, in which case do not sign up <laughs> for the discord. We'll see you guys next week.